This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions. Because it's time to dish the dirt. On the AM740 Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. And her trusty aide on the morning show here, uh, the garden show, the morning show that sometimes drifts off into the afternoon. No, what am I saying? It's Frank <laughs> Proctor back in action here. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Charlie. Delighted to be here as sous chef. Yes. And uh, we've got a, a good-looking day out there. We really. do. Gorgeous. Beautiful. And perfect for gardening. Yeah. Right? You yeah. know, and now we haven't had a lot of rain. After nonstop rain, now we're into the dry. So let's make sure we are watering, particularly our trees and our anything newly planted, and our vegetables and herbs have to be, you know, kept with consistent moisture in order to be able to reap a bountiful harvest. Yeah, coming uh, this morning, having a chat off air before we uh, signed on here, um, I asked Charlie, "Have you been busy in folks' back backyards?" Uh, Lately, and she, you said, yeah, of all things, you know, it was been a very rainy uh, Cold, summer. And, yeah. spring and summer. And yeah. I think, yeah, people were kind of hunkered down or going on holidays, just not looking out the windows, <laughs> not wanting <laughs> yeah. to even think about going outside. And now it's gotten obviously beautiful. And we've had this, I think, two, it's either our second or third beautiful weekend in a row. So, yeah, people are going outside. They're starting to say, hmm, this could be better, this yard. So, yes, my phone is starting to ring off the hook and people want consultations on how to make those backyard dreams come true. Speaking of ringing phones off the hook, why uh, James Dooley is with us. James Patrick Dooley is in uh, production once again. And uh, that's the first voice you're going to hear when you call these numbers, friends. 416-360-0740. That's in the Toronto area. And then anywhere else in the province, toll free, one 740 4740 And by the way, thank uh, my thank you to... Uh, Robbie Lane, who uh, yeah. filled in for me last week, I just couldn't get uh, on in. A, so, on yeah. a sudden spur, he was yes. he was able to make it in. He did really well, actually. I was amazed. I heard the opening part of the show, and you <laughs> sounded like you're having fun. Well, yeah. we did. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if he'd gotten any sleep the night before, but uh, nevertheless, he yeah. held up well. I well, thought. God bless him. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Thank you, Robbie. <laughs> Okay, uh, we're going to be set to go, uh, but you have a number of little announcements yes, here, Yes, right? may, I, may I make some oh, announcements? Yes, indeed. Thank you. you. Right thank you. Show. But before I do that, I just want to share with you an email that was sent to you and I uh, from John Hutchings. And he says, hi, folks. This is referring to a show two weeks ago that okay. he sent it shortly thereafter. He said he couldn't resist responding. He said the plural of cactus is pronounced cacti. Which Not is spelled, cacti, as I had well, said. Well, it's spelled cacti, C-A-C-T-I, okay. but it's pronounced cacti. Okay, so he oh, obviously studied okay. Latin and Greek in his <laughs> childhood. So cacti, like you said, is, is spelled C-A-C-T-A-E, and he doesn't know if that's a word. So he said he enjoys the show, but he just wanted to correct us well, on our pronunciation. There you go. Okay. I, I, I am 
uh, thus corrected. Yes. yes. Well, well, I remember one time um, again an expert uh, who is uh, we were just, we were doing a TV show way way back in the day when Home and Garden Television actually had Garden TV, and uh, he his specialty was clematis, which I referred to as clematis, uh. and of course he quickly <laughs> slapped me around and said, clematis is from clem, the Greek to climb. Clemma, I think, is Clemma to climb the Greek, so it's Clematis. What you don't learn on this show, my friends, my gosh. I always remembered it, yes, indeed. Though I sometimes still call it Clematis just for fun and to to make him, you know, frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly. (laughs) All right, a couple of things coming up. Get your calendars out. Starting in September, Mm. everybody's back in action. The Hortzes, the Garden Clubs, they're all right back. So September the 8th, 1 p.m., the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is holding their meeting to uh, starting with a meet and greet at uh, at 1 o'clock, then at 1.30, Matt Mattis will present Bulbs of South Africa. Bring your own mug, bring a friend. Uh, there's an ephemeral seed exchange and September plant sale from 12.30 to 1.30. Of course, free admission, no, no problem with non-members. Everybody's welcome. Uh, meeting takes place in the Floral Hall at the Toronto Botanical Garden, 777 Lawrence Avenue East. So that's the 8th. On the 10th, the Lakefield, September 10th, Lakefield Hort Society is meeting and has a speaker, uh, Susan Chan. She is speaking on the all-important topic of bees. Tuesday, September 10th, 7.30 p.m. at the Marshland Centre in Lakefield. Now remember, bees are small but mighty pollinators, and they are responsible for one out of every three bites of food you take. Wow. Yeah, that's how important bees are. So she is a pollination biologist uh, from Farms at Work. She will be doing a whole big presentation on how to encourage and support and keep the bees happy, and so that, and particularly native bees, uh, because the numbers are declining so dramatically. So that meeting, of course, takes place. It's all free admission, and I mentioned 7.30, September 10th, Marshland Center in Lakefield. That's it. Is that it for the moment? Yeah, for the moment. Well, for the moment. Okay, those phone numbers again, just so uh, everybody's clear on what's going on here. (laughs) For Toronto area listeners, now it's 416-360-0740, and then anywhere else in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. Direct and live from Zoomerplex in Liberty Village, it's The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. We'll be back to talk to Jack from Welland in just a moment. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And uh, a good morning to one and all. Thank you for joining us here on Charlie Dobbin's Garden Show. I'm Frank Proctor. And on the line from Did you say Charlie Darbin again? I did. I did. <laughs> Charlie Darbin. I get into my Irish routine there. Charlie uh, Darbin. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we'll get into pronunciation, right? Uh, hit Joel Dobbin to this lake. Oh, yeah. Okay. Jack. <laughs> Jack in Welland. Hello and welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. Morning. Good morning. Um, uh, Charlie, yes. I'd like to know when can I prune uh, a willow tree? Uh, this willow tree is hanging on the ground. Mm-hmm. The, the branches are right down to the ground and they're dragging on the ground like, you know. So that's a weeping willow, I imagine. A weeping willow. Okay. It's, they've been growing like stink this year with all that it rain sure we had. Has. <laughs> the first, well, the first full year. Uh-huh. I've had it. 
and it really, really grew a lot, quite a bit. Right. And, of course, willows do grow fast with lots of rain. They grow even faster. And now the heat has been wonderful. Everything's growing. Um, I, if I were you, you know how, because they grow so fast, willows tend to be very brittle. And when we have a big windstorm, the tree never breaks, but all the branches break off, so they can be a bit of a messy tree. So my suggestion is that you go out there and you prune it any time you want. Like, if you want to prune it today, yes. go for it. Oh, go. Uh, and just the, our, the one thing is, always remember, avoid pruning when it's raining. You know, don't prune in, in wet weather, but on a dry day, I would go right ahead and prune that any time. Oh, very good. Okay, just and, and keeping in mind that with winter coming, yes. you know, you want to avoid a, a, a too much soft breakage and mess all over the yard. Okay. Good stuff. Thanks, Jack. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're very welcome. Thank you. First Thank you. time. Oh, first caller uh, on the first show today. Time. But there is a first time caller coming up very shortly. And we love first time callers. Oh, we do indeed. We love welcome. I'll be ringing my little bell in a little bit. But first of all, okay. So you know, Robbie didn't have the bell. Oh yeah. He had. A, did you hear that? He had a little sound effect. No. <laughs> <laughs> he had uh, like people screaming you know, as, as the welcome to first time callers. <laughs> or no, and then he had a, a crows cawing and a you know, wacky. Yeah. Wacky, wacky. Yeah, yeah. What was he uh, on there? Uh, Telling you he didn't this, get any sleep. I want, I want whatever kind of coffee he was having. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, Brenda in Dundas, good morning and welcome to the show. Oh, good morning. Morning. Um, I have some soil mm-hmm. that's been underneath paving stones for about half a century. Mm-hmm. So I raked out most of the little stones mm-hmm. and I got some triple mix and some composted horse manure, and I've dug that in. Good. Can I grow anything this fall? Can I put my perennials in this fall? Mm. I don't like the way you said, mm. Well, it's just a bit hard to, to know when I can't see it. Okay. Typically soil, like you say, that's been under paving stones, a couple of things. One is uh, we don't usually ever just lay a patio onto good topsoil. We lay patios onto um, subsoil and sand, something that is well-drained and stable, which, of course, topsoil is never particularly stable. It moves around, and, of course, the stones would move around. So that's my concern. So you've added, which is great, composted manure, triple mix, all good. What I'd be inclined to do, if you can, if you can hold those perennials somewhere else until next year, would be to, this fall... Well, or you could if you want. I mean, you could plant the perennials this fall, but then I, for sure, for sure, make sure that you collect leaves, get your lawnmower out, or do whatever you can to crush those leaves up small and put four inches deep of leaves on the surface of that soil around your perennials for the entire winter. Come spring, a little light mixing, and the worms and the life in the soil will break those leaves down and, again, add good organic material and, and wake up that soil, which is what you need. Actually, Charlie, underneath what is there, mm-hmm. there was some regular soil, which I had um, some vegetables in before. Mm-hmm. So if I dig down deep enough and bring up that soil that's underneath, would that help as well? It could, but, you know, I wouldn't be overly concerned because, again, a living soil will get mixed for you by all your little critters. I need some earthworms. I don't have any. That's right. But you will if you give them an environment that they love. Oh. And that's that organic material. So that's where those leaves come in. Because honestly, my garden was pure clay when I moved in. I mean, there was a pickaxe uh, to do any digging and certainly not a worm because they would break their little heads trying to get through well, that actually, clay. There are some robins on the lawn. So if right. I follow the robins around, maybe. Yeah, exactly. And you know, I, I inventory the worms. I only let robins take two a day. So as soon as 
as I see a robin back for the third worm, I scare him yeah, away anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so. Okay. I'll try that in the leaves. Yeah, leaves in the fall. And, and, you know, just do whatever you can. Like, make that a, a ritual every fall. Get those leaves on the surface and maybe every spring get a little compost or manure and, yeah. and wake up that soil and you'll find it'll, it'll be wonderful. Okay, thank you. You're very welcome. Thanks, Thanks so much. Cool. All right. Nice to have you on the show. And uh, here we are on this uh, Saturday morning, a beaut, as I mentioned. A lot of mm. folks getting ready maybe to head off down to the CNE. We'll be talking about that a little bit oh, later on. Are you um, interviewing somebody from the CNE? Actually not. Oh, Actually but you're not. talking There's, about it. I'm going to be yakking about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we were yakking about it before the show. <laughs> oh, gee, what a... Well, I hope that whole scare is now over. Yeah, it's uh, done. You know, yeah. I and, think you're... Uh, I can't under, get my head around anybody who want to eat one of those things anyway. I know. But, those you know. Things. Yeah. It's like, it's oh, like, look. Oh, <laughs> how many has James Patrick Dooley James, had? Have you had, did you have one? Has, no, no. No, he didn't. I'd be curious to try them, though. They sound he, interesting. They sound interesting. It's like 5,000 calories in one bite, I, I think. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> not, not for me. Thank you very much. No. Okay, we have not for take, anybody now. Oh, no, we have to take a little bit of a break on the other side of that. We'll be talking to Carol from Hamilton, a first-time caller, so get set for that. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than we do realize. And should little creatures become a big problem? Well, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Hi, and good morning, Frank Proctor, along with uh, Charlie this morning, of course, and Carol in Hamilton. There you are. You have arrived. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Carol. Oh, good morning, Charlie and Frank. I'm, I'm sorry. Hold your belt, uh, Frank, because I think I'm here on false pretenses. <laughs> oh, really? This is the first time I've ever called in with a gardening question. Oh, oh well, but, but I that's okay. Call, I did call in once before, Frank, when you were trying to keep your cat Dickens off your uh, jigsaw <laughs> puzzle. And oh, I told you about the bounce sheets. That's right. Oh, I yeah. remember that. That's I know right. it didn't work for you, but a lot of cats I'm acquainted with, it does work with. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for calling again in any case. Yeah. Well, um... The question I have is about morning glories, Charlie. Mm -hmm. Now, I've been growing morning glory vines probably 40 years mm -hmm. in all kinds of soil and light conditions and so on and so forth. I have never had the problem I'm having like I am this year. What's that? Well, the vine is, is growing really well. It's probably about 20 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very green. But then from the bottom up, it starts where the leaves sort of get a mottled yellow. And it's slowly working its way up the vine. Hmm. Now, anything I've been able to, to look up on it is saying, could be soil, could be water, could be, <laughs> like it's giving me like 100 choices. Yeah, of course. There's no insects or bug infestation on the vine at all. So mottled yellow. So and then the leaf turns completely yellow. Right, and then falls off. Mm-hmm. So explain mottled to me. Is it does it get like it look, looks almost like a, a sandy appearance or a granular sort of a model or how how does the modeling does it start from the edge and work into the center or does it No, it's sort of all over the whole leaf. Okay, so it just kind of starts with this sporadic yellowy look. Yeah, all over the connects. leaf like and it's uh, it's kind of a green and yellow actually kind of pretty for a little while and then it kind of gets the you know, it gets more yellow and then just falls off. And flowering? Are you getting having regular flowering? No, I haven't been getting any flowers on it. But then um, where I have it planted this year, because I'm on a balcony in an apartment, mm -hmm. 
and um, this time I'm growing it back against, now I know it's not getting full sun right. uh, like it should have, uh, but then I grew it other years right out on the railing, <coughs> and it only got half a day sun anyway, mm-hmm. and it bloomed. But, I mean, where the, the top, where I say the top maybe eight feet of it is in sun, mm-hmm. So I, I can't figure it out. I've been really puzzled about it. So I'm just, because the one time we do see mottling on leaves, though we wouldn't, yeah, so if you said it's from the bottom, so it's the older leaves first. Well, no, it does, it even goes up, like it's even up, like further, like uh, not on the brand new, but even like I'd say the second newest part of the leaves, they're mm-hmm. starting to do it. When we see... Uh, yellow, and it does look very grainy to start. Like a green leaf gets this grainy appearance. It, it is from spider mites. And of course, we don't see the spider mites because they're so tiny, but they're underneath the leaves. They're sucking the juices, and that causes a green leaf to get this kind of a funny appearance. It's a very distinctive appearance, and eventually the leaf dies, uh, you know, kind of disappears. The one thing you will see in that situation is a bit of webbing. No, there's no webbing then, on it. I've been over that vine with a microscope. <laughs> really? Thinking, my gosh, what is going on here? Because it looks beautiful from, like, when you're looking back at my balcony, you've yeah. got this beautiful mass of green leaves. But I'm, I'm, they're all going to be yellow pretty soon. <laughs> well, um, leave it with me. The other, okay, now, so you're on a balcony, so this is in pots, obviously. The plants. Yeah, but they're quite large pots, and it, there's two pots with two, like one plant in each pot. Right. So, um, and I've grown them like this now for the four years I've been in this apartment. Never had a problem with it before. And what else is in the pots with the, with the morning glory? That's it. Oh, wow. Just the morning glory. Hmm. One in each good big size clay pot. Wow. That, Three in that, each in the bottom. Yeah. That would be the, my other thing is too much water will sometimes cause older, more mature leaves to turn yellow and move up the plant from the base. That was my other impulse was, was uh, too much water. Okay. Hard to say. Leave that with me. I be, would be careful in the watering. Better to underwater than overwater when it comes to morning glory. Well, you know what morning glories are like. Like if you don't give them lots yeah. of water, they just sort they, of hang there and look right. like they're well, dying. <laughs> And like you said, you've done this before in this location. Yeah, it's, it's well, it's, instead of being uh, like out further, like my balcony's what, maybe, I don't know, five feet wide. No, it wouldn't be that far. It's maybe three <coughs> feet wide. Mm-hmm. So I had it on the railing and it only got afternoon sun and it did perfectly well. Mm. Well, uh, now I got it back against the wall. I guess you'd say. Yeah. Well, like I say, yellow leaves is, whether it's an indoor plant or an outdoor plant, if there's no insects and you've microscopically checked for that, there are no diseases that I know of that any, would ever attack a morning glory. It's either under or overwatering. Okay. So, now I'm trying to figure out. Wait, I stick my fingers down in the pot and mm-hmm. I think, okay, it feels dry. I better water it. Okay. Yeah, it's not like you can pick up these pots. They're way too heavy. Moisture meter might help. I just uh, Googled something here. What does it say, Frank? Uh, water only when the top inch of soil is dry. Right. So that's mm-hmm. sticking your finger yeah. In, down. Yeah, so dry. Even move the soil aside. You know, get a little fork or a knife and just move the soil aside for an inch down and take a look. Make sure it really is dry. Or, you know, and as you Even said, stick it your looks finger. Even though like wilted? Uh, sometimes plants wilt in the heat. They're not really yeah. dry at all. They just, right. They're just 
doing that. Actually, they're actually kind of trying to maintain moisture in their leaves when they do that wilt because they, they roll in on themselves and try and hold the moisture. But it's got nothing to do with actually being dry. It's just mm. a heat thing, a flagging. Well, this past week, I thought, okay, yeah. I'm going to go two days and I'm not going to give you a drop of water. <laughs> Good, and yeah. that thing just wilted and looked like it was going <laughs> to... You know, so you had know, water. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, uh, what to do, know. what to do. I know. Well, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I've, like I say, off the top of my head, underwatering, overwatering, just double check. Stick that finger right in there, at least an inch down, and do water thoroughly when you do water. I do. I water till the water comes out the Good. bottom of the plant, like out through the drainage hole. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Okay. And then I, I hold off, and then I'm, when I'm checking, I'm thinking, well, you're looking like you're dying for thirsty. <laughs> I, I better give you a drink. Yeah. And I do it like that again, right till it comes out through the bottom. Okay, now the one it's in potting soil, obviously. This in the pots. Yeah, potting I put soil in shrinks potting soil in. when it's dry. It shrinks down away from the sides of the pot. We pour in some water. It rushes out the drainage hole. We think we've done a great job watering, but it, this, the soil is actually not yet absorbed much water. So do mm. do remember that as well. That when you pour in the water, wait. Five, you know, a couple of minutes, pour in some more water, right. let that soil expand out and really right. actually truly absorb all these gallons of water you're pouring in. And then when it's coming out the drainage hole, you know you've watered thoroughly. Well, I, mean, I don't know. It sounds like that's what I've been doing, Charlie. Okay. No. I know it's a real mystery. I'm yeah. sorry to be giving you such a problem here this morning, but it's like, <laughs> holy smokes, I've never seen this like before ever. Hmm. Yeah. Well, if I come up with any other good thoughts, I will you know, keep listening, and we'll uh, we'll keep our brains wrapped around that one. Oh, Thanks for your okay. call, Carol. Thanks so much, Charlie. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> okay, Carol. Have, have a great a, day. Yeah, Bye-bye. you too. Alrighty. Well, we have a call coming in from uh, Richmond Hill. Curtis on the line. Good morning, Curtis. Hi, how are you? I'm well, thank you. And you? Okay, now, well, my question is, I have a wood stove, mm-hmm. and I want to know what to do with the ashes. It's pure wood. Ashes. Okay, so when you say pure wood, this is obviously not any pressure-treated wood or right on, right on. Uh, walnut trees haven't been burned in there or nothing like that. Right, just uh, old willows and uh, a little bit, mostly cherry. You know, like it's it's mm. brush from around the uh, yeah. from around the house. Uh, okay, so very good. I mean, the ashes are a form of pot ash, which of course is one of the nutrients that all plants need. Uh, when you look at a fertilizer, and there's those three big numbers, the third number of those three numbers is representative of the potash or potassium. Right. So ashes can go on a garden. They can go in a composter. The main thing is you never do, like never overdo it. It's always a very light layer that you put out. Okay, very good. Because you can really mess up your soil chemistry if you bang too much of any one thing into a composter or a garden. But absolutely, yeah. So if you've got, you know, lots of gardens, um, you know, even in my composter, I've put, you know, half an inch at a time. Just right into the composter. There's raccoons in the neighborhood, and they just go for it. Yeah. The composting, so I don't bother with composting. Well, I mean, I have... traditional sense of, you know, scraps from the table and whatever. Right. Yeah, I mean, I, I use composters that have the lids on them, and the, uh, the wily raccoons haven't figured out how to open them. I don't okay, want to say that too loud. They Richmond Hill, obviously. Pardon? Um, the raccoons are from Richmond Hill, and I tell you one thing, they can get through everything. Yes, <laughs> that's mean, something. Another oh. question, um, I'm sorry oh. to be... Two uh, questions, but is it too early to plant... Uh, re, um, remove, relocate irises? No, it's perfect time. Okay, thank you. August is the month that we do all our relocating, our transplanting of irises particularly, and our dividing because they get super overgrown and stop flowering. Well, okay. Curtis, oh, you, you were successful. And about yes. her little plant there? Yeah. Uh, wind has a lot to do with it as well. Oh, maybe. 
you know, because they do, especially in apartments, mm-hmm. they have the tunnel effect. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe she's just got a whole wind. Thing. Mind you, she's been successful for four years in that location, and all of a sudden this year, no. But not. she moved them, right? Uh, no, they're in large pots on her balcony. I know, but they were in another area, and then she moved them back. Okay, whatever. Whatever. Okay, but problem. I'm sure she's still own. listening. <laughs> Thanks, Curtis. <laughs> I was going to say, it. why don't you come in and co-host yeah. the show, for gosh sake? No, no, no. we'll just keep them on the line. <laughs> and, and you were very successful in getting that second question in, and thank goodness it was a short little answer, so I'm not going to penalize you. Okay, yeah. Curtis, thank you There's very no much. ticket in the mail. Exactly. Hey, it's The Garden Show from AM740. And uh, let's see. Oh, Jean, uh, in uh, a car. She's driving right now. I hope you pulled off to the side of the road there, Jean. Good morning, Jean. Uh, hello. Oh, oh. She's got a radio on. She's got a radio on. What? Jean. Oh, too bad. I don't know what's happening. She's here. in a tin can. She's in a tin can <laughs> with wheels. Hmm. Okay, we're going to maybe have to hold on that since she's not answering the call. Uh, and go to Ken in Oakville. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. Morning. I've got some rusty grass. Oh, yeah. It's <laughs> rust. <laughs> there is rust that grows on grass. It's 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 a very fine powder. Mm-hmm. It's yellowy, mm-hmm. rust color, actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you walk across it, it's it all comes over. off on your shoes. That's right. I don't know if it's toxic or... No, no, no. It's actually, it's a fungal disease. It's, there, there are many different kinds of rusts that grow on different plants. They are all plant-specific. So the rust that you're seeing on your grass is... It's interesting because it's been so dry that we're seeing all this rust now. Um, I'm just trying to remember... The main thing you do when you've got rust on grass is, of course, mow it as you would normally. Um, have you? When was the last time you fertilized? Have I? Do you fertilize? Well, I fertilized it in the spring. I haven't done any since. Okay. I so, know it's not fertilizer burnt. No, no, no. I'm thinking you should you you should plan to fertilize. Do the fall fertilizing in the next two weeks. Okay. And that grass will outgrow that rust. Oh, okay. Okay, so it's not a big deal. But, yeah, it's quite unsightly on your feet and your shoes. If you've got white soles on your shoes or bare feet, they literally turn a rust color. Yeah, so. that's not toxic. No, either. not at all. No, and okay. it washes right off, too, so don't worry about it. Okay, thank but, you very much. But that's the bottom line. The plant will outgrow the disease. It's just a matter of watering properly. Have you watered at all lately? Uh, no, I try not to. Yeah, okay, that's fine. So don't obviously fertilize until we start getting some rain and, you know, things are growing again. It's super dry right now. But, uh, but yeah, don't worry about it. Just do mow, and that, again, will open it up. Okay. okay. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for calling the show. Delighted to have you with us on a Saturday morning. And it's the uh, terrific Troika uh, here. Charlie Dobbin, Frank Proctor, and James Dooley Thank answering you for the calling. telephony. Yeah. Thanks for calling us terrific. Well, yes. All three of us. Exactly. <laughs> the, the terrific troika. Oh, Jean is back online, is she? Okay, let's uh, take that call right now. Hello, Jean. Hi. Hi, you're uh, calling from your car, right? I am, yes. Um, last week, you mentioned about orchids, mm-hmm. immersing them in water. Yes. Right over the top? Of the pot, Yes. Really? Okay. Well, I've done that with three of them this week, and I'll see what happens. But I just couldn't believe it. <laughs> I've only ever given them a quarter cup of water. Okay. Well, and, that. Uh, Sorry. Go ahead. Uh, no, I just uh, just 
was amazed when you said that. Yeah, so the immersing the entire pot under the water like that uh, and ha- waiting till all the air bubbles come out. And then, of course, you take the pot out of the water and let it drain. Uh, so the whole process of being immersed underwater is for like two or three minutes, but it makes a really, really well-watered plant. Right. And... Right. Uh, and uh, the really the best way to do it is you get a little bit of uh, orchid fertilizer mixed in with that water. Uh, if okay. you if you're one of those people that likes to fertilize your orchids and yes, keep yes, it's really yes. it keeps the leaves so much healthier. They just they love all that humidity. It's just a really nice way to bang the humidity up for them. Yeah, yeah. Well, I left them a little longer than two or three minutes, but they survived. <laughs> oh yeah, they'll be fine. And of course, don't water you know don't do it again until the pot starts to feel a bit light. Oh, okay. okay. Now, can I ask about hydrangea? Um, sir, we're, we have to limit folks to one question per, per call, okay, because of other folks waiting on the line. But, hey, call back, and you'll oh, okay. get back in line, okay? Okay, okay <laughs> That's then. Great. Thank you. Thank you, yeah. I hate being the policeman, but I've got to be. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye now. Did you do the mantra? Does everybody uh, you know? You know, I did not do the mantra. There you there go. There you go. Well, it's your fault. Okay, then. yes, it's my fault. <laughs> Call early, call often, one question per call. But, there you know, absolutely, go. yeah, call early in the show so you yeah. don't, you know, hold till the end. Then if you have another question, yeah, call me later. Call, call back. Sure enough. Um, by the way, um, sure my son. Enough. <laughs> I like that. Show enough. Show enough. Um, my son, uh, Toby, the youngest yes. guy, yes. Uh, brought uh, my wife uh, an orchid. And this is about now six weeks ago. This thing is beautiful. Really? Oh, still? Can you believe it? I can't believe. I Are know. you sure it's real? Usually, <laughs> maybe it's no, artificial. Yeah, it but I, I don't water it very much. Just you know, it, I just check. You know. Uh, well, you can't check. It's bark. Well, it's bark. I know, but it, you put your finger down there, and if it's slightly dampish, I leave it alone. Just leave it alone. Oh, okay. And, and uh, it's just beautiful. And how much water have you been giving it when you do water? Oh, maybe a couple of teaspoonfuls. No, that's not much. Perfect. Well, no, I guess it'd be more than that. So a little cup, like half of, a cup. Oh, yeah, yeah. it's a little a four ounces, something yeah, like that. Yeah, hmm. it'd be close to that. Okay. So I'm being good with it. And you face north, I think, don't you, in your apartment? Uh, yes. That, you and that's right. good light. That's very good yeah. light for orchids. So anyway, I, I thought you would be impressed because I kill everything. I'm trying. really impressed. I think you should take pictures while it's <laughs> yeah, looking oh, as good yeah, as it exactly is. Exactly, for proof. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so I'm not sure I believe you. Okay, you know what? We have to take a little bit of a break here, Charlie. So uh, we'll do that and then get to Richard, who's on the line from St. Catharines, right after these words. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. Well, not only is uh, James Dooley our uh, producer of this show, uh, he is also the great reminder, uh, dropping me a little note on the on the monitor here saying, give out the email address for Charlie, for heaven's sakes, Frank. Okay, all right, I'll do that. So it's cdobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com. But it's c.dobbin. Oh, I'm sorry, c.dobbin, that's right. Yeah. Oh, so I screwed that up, mzmedia.com. <laughs> and my uh, Twitter address is at Charlie Dobbin. And I do love to 
get tweets from people. I got one this week from uh, a person who said my pencil was making too much noise during the show. Yeah. So I'm now using a pen. I hope I'm much quieter now, with my note taking. She isn't kidding about that, folks. Really, somebody really? actually complained about that. Well, oh, she well. didn't complain. She no, just well. asked if I would. Yeah. That she said it was a little distracting. That's all. Well, there you go. Yeah. We don't want to be no, distracting. No, nor, to... nor does Richard want to be held any longer on the phone there. Richard in St. Catharines, welcome mm-hmm. along. Yeah, it's harder to get through to you guys than just to find money in my bank account. <laughs> <laughs> I know where you're coming from. <laughs> uh, Rosa Sharon, mm-hmm. I got one in the backyard, mm-hmm. a small one that's about four feet high, mm-hmm. and I want to put it in my front yard. When's a good time to do it, Charlie? Fall or spring. How long ago, how, how long has it been where it is now? I don't know. It just grew. Oh, one of those little little volunteers. Yeah. Uh, okay. Honestly, fall or spring? Is it going to flower this fall? Is it going to flower? Is it flowering now? It, it, it flowered once this summer. Okay. I'd be inclined to transplant it in the spring because that way you will not, um, you know, lose any of the beauty that we typically get from our Rose of Sharon's in the late summer and fall. But it's up to you. I mean, fall is a great time to transplant because the soil is nice and warm. Spring, it's a little colder. Plants are a little more shocked when they're transplanted. But rows of Sharon are pretty tough. You can do, you know, prepare the hole in advance. And when you dig it up, of course, you want to have as many roots as possible and the soil attached to those roots traveling with the plant as you go from the back to the front. <clears throat> the new hole is ready to go. Drop it in. Of course, you want to plant it a little bit higher than it was growing because it will sink as it settles in. Mm-hmm. Okay. But they're pretty amenable to, to being transplanted, and if it's four feet high, better to do it sooner than, than later, though, because it'll be easier to handle the smaller it is. Yeah, like about September? Sure, perfect. Early September's best. Yeah. In your area, you could do it right up until probably mid, even late September, because you're down in St. Catharines, where the, your first frost doesn't usually happen until about November. Yeah, well, everything grows in St. Catharines except Frank. <laughs> <laughs> and isn't that the truth? <laughs> and he, he's even growing an orchid. <laughs> Thank you, Richard. I think. My wife, Barbara, says hello. Well, isn't that nice? Thank you very much. You don't remember Barbara and Richard. No, okay. Uh, and you the jokes. Oh, the jokes, yes. My joke fans out there. more for you. Okay, oh. that's great. You keep sending them to me, would you? I'll talk to you later. All righty. Thank you, Richard. <laughs> Thanks, Richard. Okay. Yeah, we have always at uh, 12.30 and one thirty. it's uh, Frankie's Jokes. Funny Bone oh, Joke Jess. Right. That, and, that uh, you're fed favorite. by Richard. That's And, and, and other folks, too, yeah, but yeah. Richard is a contributor. Yes, indeed. The reason I mentioned that uh, Richard and his Rose of Sharon transplanting, he could probably do it right up till the end of September yep. because he's in St. Catharines. The rule of thumb is if you're going to do planting and transplanting uh, in the garden in the fall, you want to do it uh, so anytime up to approximately six weeks from the first frost. Oh. Okay, does that make okay. sense? And that what that mean why we do that is because that first frost is where of course everything kind of gets stopped in its mm-hmm, mm-hmm. tracks and you you need you want to have about 6 weeks for that plant in its new location, 6 weeks minimum, so it can start to get a little root action, a little a little bit of establishment into the garden. Right. Okay. Very good. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. It all makes sense. Excellent. Hey, Joyce in Scarborough, welcome along to the garden show. Morning. Hello, you are Joyce. Yes. Good morning. Uh, I um I would like to know when is the correct time to put compost in your garden. I have a small space, which means that I plant usually the same thing year after year. Mm-hmm. 
and um, you know the the fruits sorry the fruits the vegetables mm-hmm. are not as large as yeah, they yeah. were you know the first time yeah. I planted this garden so mm-hmm. do I when I remove all these um, tomato plants and what have you mm-hmm. do I put the compost in uh, when I turn it over or do I wait for the spring whichever works better with your schedule either one is very very effective. Oh. Spring or fall. Sometimes it's it's when we have good access to good compost. Oh, I have compost. This has been sitting here for twenty five years. Oh well, then you better use it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So right, exactly. Once you're you're done, the vegetables have been harvested. The garden is cleaned up. The plot pretty much just sits empty all winter. I would imagine. Yeah, you pile pile some leaves in there too. Our earlier caller was wondering about you know how do I rejuvenate old and tired soil? And she, same thing. She had added some manure and some good quality soil, yeah. but just wasn't convinced this was going to be enough. And I highly, highly recommend very cheap. Leaves, you just rake them up. If you don't have access mm-hmm. to leaves on your own property, there's people always putting bags of leaves out at the end of their driveways as we get into the fall. Or go to a park and bag up some leaves and take okay. them to your plot, get them right there on the ground, get that compost on top of the leaves, and let it sit like that all, all winter. And then in the spring, mix it all up. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. Bye. Thank, uh, thank you, and uh, take care on this Saturday. It's a beauty of a day for anything you've got going. But as mm-hmm. Charlie was uh, saying earlier in the show, a perfect day for gardening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, mm-hmm. huh? Henna, let's see. You're in Hamilton, I understand, right? Hi. Hi. Good morning, morning and welcome. You? Uh, my question is about uh, six years ago, I, I planted royal purple bush with uh, Alberta spruce along uh, the fence. Uh, now I notice the Alberta's um, royal purple bush is growing very tall, and I didn't prune side branches because no space. I didn't want to get bushy, but notice the just stem going up uh, without no leaves at the top cluster. It was not uh, nice. So I chopped them um, maybe two-thirds of it um, a few week, a week ago. But uh, my question is, do you think I move it from in between uh, those Alberta spruces, which the space is one foot and half? Oh, right. It is not, uh, it's not enough room. Yeah. I want to send a picture to you, just you recognize and tell me which one should I move, Alberta spruce or uh, Royal Purple Bush to other side of the garden? I think you did send me a picture, didn't you? No, I haven't. Okay. I have Somebody else had a similar question like mm-hmm. this. Where, and we, we do this all the time. We have little tiny plants. We plant them all up thinking we have our spacing correct. And then sure enough, five years later or you know, even sometime sooner, we realize the spacing was not right. Everything's running into uh, exactly. each other. And none of the plants are going to thrive in that situation. Number one, the shape won't be right because they're all, you know, Mm-hmm. interfering mm-hmm. with each other's growth, but even in terms of, you know, the beauty of the plant, the, the ability to flower and, and set berries, etc. So definitely, I would definitely move the bush. That little foot and a half space between the Alberta spruce needs to have, you know, could be, a, you know, some Shasta daisies if you want to put like a small perennial in there or, uh, you know, geranium, some kind of annual in there, something small that will just kind of work in there and be a nice contrast with the spruce, get the bush right out of there and give it space. That needs at least four feet all the way around in terms of width. And of course, let it grow to the height, you know, wants to be four feet wide and six feet tall, that shrub. 
And do you give me some information? How can I look after royal purple bush? When it uh, should I chop them to the branches or just let it go naturally? Whatever. If you let it go naturally, it's going to become a huge tree. This is a smoke bush that we're talking okay. about. It's got yes, purple, yeah. purple fl- uh, leaves mm-hmm. that are almost round. It's a, it's an interesting looking plant. Of course, when it flowers, it looks like it's smoke. Mm-hmm. Ah. It's a it's quite a nice plant. I can we can <clears throat> Google that for you so Frank can see a picture, but. Bottom line, it's a purple-leaved smokebush. They are a tricky plant to prune properly. They never really look nice as a specimen to stand alone. They are wonderful plants to incorporate around other plants. Uh, a shrub border, for example. They, they're just Their natural shape tends to be kind of round, uh, a round plant. Uh, if you never prune one, it'll go 10 feet tall and 8 feet wide, and it's just kind of a round, unstructured plant. Nothing really... Uh, sort of mm-hmm. elegant about it at all. It is not good for the small garden which we have. Not unless you really want to get onto that pruning thing with it uh, every single spring. You're going to want to do quite a bit of pruning to bring it back into shape. And as you point out, you've got this long, you know, growth that's happened this year, sort of straight up. Yeah. So you take the top off as you did. Now you can get a bunch of wide growth or side shoots coming off of the, that vertical stem. So it's always a bit of a, like I said, it, it's a certain look. It's a very informal plant, you know, in terms of the the style that it adds to your garden versus something like, say, a lilac, which tends to be a very formal plant. It's a vase-shaped plant, you know, narrow at the bottom, uh, and with very little care, typically will maintain its shape quite nicely. Is it easy to dig it out, the root? Oh, yeah, they're, they're easy to transplant. But, you know, again, as we mentioned to the last caller, when you're digging, of course, you want to get as big a root ball as you possibly can transplanting roots, transplanting all that soil attached to the roots into the new location. It does want a fairly sunny location, but if you put it into only half-day sun and half-day shade, it'll grow more slowly than it will in a, in a sunny spot. So if you kind of... time now or spring? Sure, perfect time right now okay. to transplant. Thank you so much. You're very okay, welcome. Okay, thank you for joining thank the show you. on this Saturday, 24th of August already. And we have to take a little bit of a break here, but uh, we're going to come back and have a word with Phyllis from Alliston. Hold tight. Don't change the radio station. Just because the weather changes, garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio, AM 740. And a big hello from Frank Proctor and James Dooley uh, as we uh, give the answers. We. <laughs> Charlie <laughs> gives the answers to your questions. Now, let's see what's on Phyllis's mind here from Alliston. Good morning, Phyllis. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frank. How are you today? Terrific. Morning. Good, good. Gorgeous day. Yeah. It's in uh, regards to this tree I have, but I'm not sure the name of it. It might be a mulberry. I'm not positive. It's like an umbrella tree. Mm-hmm. And it does it weep to the ground? Yes. Okay. It probably is a mulberry. Okay. It's not a flowering one. But there, anyways, yeah. um, this is the first time it's ever done this. It's got all little black spots on a lot of the leaves in the front of the tree. Mm-hmm. Like at, you know, at the that comes over, you know, all of the, the leaves are turning like a little bit uh, uh, black-like, hmm. little black spots on it. Little black spots on a lot of the leaves that are, fa- that are on the outside of the plant. Yes, yes. If you look in underneath where it's all very thick and dense, would you okay. still see those same black spots underneath, do you think? Um, they're, 
I've taken most of the leaves off. I've cut most of the leaves off. Oh. So now uh, there's not, you know, no black spots anymore, of course, because I took the leaves off. But what would that be fun? Because I've never had that happen before. That's never, never... I don't know whether it was because all the water we've had. I was going to say, okay, weeping mulberry is a plant that, um, well, responds, as many do, to super high humidity or too much rain. And we did have a very, very wet, rainy spring. Yeah. Uh, c- keep in mind, though, that when little spots form on a, on a leaf, it is unsightly, but it's not the end of the world. The, okay. the plant can continue to use those leaves for photosynthesis as long as there's still some green in the leaves. Okay. So I would never remove leaves that are still attached to the tree and still have some green okay. on them. It Bad went, mistake then, eh? Yeah, so if they fall to the ground, no, I'm with you 100%. You always want to clean those up. You want to practice good garden hygiene. Any diseased leaves should immediately be removed from the ground because disease can spread. But if the leaves are still attached and they're still green, I would leave them alone. And remember, leaves are ephemeral. They okay. they will drop. In the next month, all these spotted and, and crappy-looking leaves are all going to drop off, and hopefully we're going to use them on our gardens to add organic material, or we're going to bag them and send them away. And either way, next year's a whole new year when it comes to leaves. So, so that's not going to harm the tree, though, no, because I took the leaves off. No, it just... Oh, okay. it, 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 but it isn't a good idea because you are limiting its ability to photosynthesize. So it's not going to okay. harm the tree because the tree's had almost the entire summer to do just that. But okay. generally, I, I wouldn't ever recommend taking them off. Okay, then. Okay, that's... but I wouldn't worry about the spots. I think you'll find it'll be just fine next year. Great. Okay, okay then. Thanks Have a for great your weekend. Call. Yeah, you too, Phyllis. Thank you for joining us here on a Saturday morning, The Garden Show. And you, uh, you know, get a, a number of emails, and sometimes we just don't get enough time to address that. So I think you have one that you wanted to get to. Well, morning, I do, right? because this is from uh, Beverly Marshman, and she wrote me this past week, uh, and she had been listening to the show last week and missed out on some information and just wanted me to repeat it. And I thought, well, rather than sending her an email repeating it, two things. One is... The show can be re-listened to via a podcast. Now, a podcast is, does not re- require an iPod to listen. It just requires a computer. So from your computer, you go to the AM740 website. At the website, there's a right there in your face says podcasts. Yep. Click on that and then choose the garden show and then choose the week you wish to listen so to. You, yeah, exactly. You missed something along the way. Yep. No need to try and scurry and write it down as you're listening because you can always go back and pick up all the details with the podcast. And you can, of course, stop the podcast and make your notes and then start it again, make some more notes. So you can totally control the rate at which the podcast is cast. (laughs) However, Beverly wanted says that she uh, she has plants outside. And she wasn't quite sure about the bringing them indoors. She wants to make sure she's not, you know, bringing in bugs Mm -hmm. uh, when she brings the plants in. So she she heard the part about the soap, but she wasn't sure what kind of soap. So this is the important thing. We don't use a detergent. We use a soap when we're spraying our plants. Uh, Soap could be a dish soap. It could be a laundry soap, but it's got to be a soap. Uh, So you go to your grocery store and look for soap, not detergent. Your mix is 40 parts water to one part soap. Once you've got that little mixture made up, that is the spray that we spray the, the entire plant, particularly from underneath, but also from on top and from the sides until it's dripping. Let that soap sit on for five, ten minutes. 
get some clean water, wash all that soap off. Sometimes uh, before I take plants in, I'll even do a drench with the soapy water through the soil. Mm -hmm. And the same principle by watering the plant with soapy water, then watering that soapy water through with clean water. It just, it it makes an environment the bugs don't like and they all scurry and get out of there. (laughs) And then you you drain. Well, they're smothered too, are they not? Um, Well, it depends. Sometimes if it's a small enough plant, I'll actually just put it right underwater, you Uh know, fill a big tub and then put the plant underwater, pot and all, and the the, the uh, bugs will quickly abandon ship. But uh, <laughs> but soapy water, yes, it can kill them. But it certainly, uh, if it doesn't kill them, it's gonna they're gonna move to get away from it. And so it's just a good way to clean that, make sure the soil is clean, the plant is clean, and then it's all washed off, drained, and in the house. There you go. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. And we'll deal with more uh, emails possibly next week for you. Once again, uh, let me repeat Charlie's uh, email address, okay? It's c.dobbin, D-O-B-B-I-N, at mzmedia.com, okay? And what have you got going on for the rest of today? Well, I'm going to be uh, back with the diner mm-hmm. at, uh, at 12 o'clock taking requests, uh, some of the favorite songs that folks like uh, they're maybe one only chance for maybe a month or two to hear it yeah can happen today for you there you go and uh, then uh, james i keep james around keep him busy he's going to be my weatherman oh perfect uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we have lots of fun too well he's great we we really appreciate james does a wonderful job for our show or my show then of course you do a wonderful job as well helping me with my show well I'll drink to that because I'll drink to most anything <laughs> National Peanut Week whatever you know <laughs> and, and I appreciate all the great calls and some of the you know good tips and advice that other people I like that sharing yeah. of information so that's Absolutely. very very good so thanks for everybody when, when you do have a solution or an idea don't hesitate to call with it. And uh, we will be back, of course, next Saturday. Dennis Flanagan will be joining us. Oh, yeah, he's a great guy. Because he'll be filling in for me the following week. I'm going to take a little holiday. And uh, I'm off to Perth tomorrow. I've got a friend visiting from Whitehorse, and we're going to go visit her brother. Wow, yeah, great so stuff. Busy few weeks ahead of me, travel, etc. Excellent. So, I see the boys have arrived. Yeah. Dave's Corner Garage gang, there they're we go. coming in. Well, enjoy the sunshine, and thanks, everybody. We'll see you again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads. Idea City on the air and The Garden Show.